Hello, welcome to the new podcast series, King of the Middle, with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Here's Michael Green. Hi, I'm Michael. This is Chris. It's King of the Middle podcast. We are two creatives looking to honor God through our work while also trying to make a living from it. Tonight, we're going to be talking about characters. Characters, whether it's through song, through writing, through acting, whatever the medium, we all are inventing characters. Uh, So the question then becomes, when you're creating a character, are you looking for your character to be a reflection of yourself or those you know, or are you looking to escape yourself? So the more we were kind of talking about it, the more I realized when we're creating a character, we're either looking at people we know, their stories perhaps, we're looking at ourselves, or is it simply just pulling someone out of thin air, a a fictitious person out of thin air. So I think we want to discuss that tonight. So the first first that I thought was when you're creating a character, you're looking to other people first. So Chris, what you've you've had some thoughts that you shared today on that. What what do you got? Hmm. So yeah, and and I think I want to add too, it's even possible if you were a painter that Good point. you could choose subject matter. And I think there are many examples. I wish I could give you one right now of artists who had painted, they were married, but they had a subject that they painted and it was obvious how much they loved that subject matter. Uh, and and it it became known in history. Oh, there was an affair or whatever. So there there is this sense of how much comes through in your real life and how does that have an impact on yourself and others? And of course, we're not advocating affairs and fictional characters, but just that's an example. And Michael, you sent a quote from, or a, a mention this afternoon as we were preparing from Thomas Wolfe, who wrote an autobiography and basically alienated his whole town and everybody hated him because he outed people for the, all the things that he disliked about them. And I think I have run up against this, not only in creative work, design, be it songs, stories, but also documentaries as a Christian documentary artist, filmmaker, uh, storyteller. How much do you reveal about the people that are your subject matter? Um, But I think we're going to focus more on fiction tonight and be it song, painting, whatever. And I think it's, yeah, I, I am always struggling with the question how much can I put in from my own life regarding people that I've met on my walk and my journey through life into my stories, especially if it has negative elements in the particular character that I'm writing? And is it identifiable? Is the person identifiable? And we briefly brushed up against this, I think, maybe in our first in our pilot, but we're going to dig into it more tonight. And and I have struggled with that. I always think every time I sit down to write, if I come up against life experience and I think, oh, I know someone who's in this category or somebody who's kind of a, I'm pulling some stuff from things I observed, I am concerned. Am I being godly? Am I being just in portraying that, especially if I start to get a little too deep into brokenness of something I observed in somebody that makes a great story. So what's what's your take? Have you done that? Have, uh, have yeah. you found yourself writing about people that you know? <laughs> yes, I, yes, <laughs> I you have. Can't yes. say. Maybe you can't actually yes, say. Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> I do want to touch really quickly on the Thomas Wolfe. Uh, you sp- probably one, not one of the most influential writers, uh, at least on me, uh, 
especially in my mid twenties, early thirties, by far probably my favorite writer. Uh, this was back early nineteen hundreds when, before genre fiction, I guess, where sweeping landscapes and character wide character developments were were very much the norm. Uh, he would he would call his work fiction, but it was all autobiographical. He would change the names. Um, and I think his first book, which was going to make him, he had a deep desire for fame, by the way, craving for fame, uh, which I can probably relate to. Uh, he knew that this was going to make him famous. And he, I think he went back to his hometown. And I think it was after the book was published, expecting to be revered, lauded. And people were really hurt because he... You know, if it wasn't overtly critical, it was definitely veiled in criticism. And we can sense that, you know. So I, when I started writing, I started, when I first started, I started, I was blogging. And my friends actually would say, like, because we would go hang out and they'd show up in a blog. And I wouldn't say their name, but they'd show up in a blog a few weeks later and be like, <laughs> I, I, I started going out with friends and then make a comment. Oh, I gotta be careful what I say. You're gonna put this in your blog. Mm -hmm. um, that's comical. Uh, but it is, it is, it's a heavy question to ask because when I started, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a memoir. It was very, it was a faith-based mem memoir, 12, I mean, 10 years ago, perhaps. Uh, and I, I struggle with that because I ended up, I wasn't critical of people but I there was there was one there was one friend of mine who I did I put in a negative light and it to me it was raw it was honest and so I just I can't I have to be true to my to my writing you know and it made it made him look really bad and I eventually years a few years later I did a re-edit of that book it was on it was digital so and and i took out that whole section with him because it's like you know that's that's not worth it to me uh so i i had mm. to take that out um so i think before i used to say it's all you know it's for the art you know i it's it's true it's honest i think right now if i if it was someone and I think I would err on the side of not including it. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's that's that's hard because you, there are there are stories that need to be told, and you can invent a fictional character where it's detached enough from the real person. But if it's obvious, especially if you're doing non like I I I love fiction. That's what I I love to write. I I may have more of an natural inclination to nonfiction. Um, but I'd say if it's nonfiction and it's painting someone in, with a negative hue, uh, or, or uh, it's a terrible metaphor, but, um, I'd probably say don't, or at least ask them first. Mm -hmm. If it's fiction, I think you can create a character that's so many degrees removed from the real person that you'd probably be fine. I think it depends on the genre, actually. Yeah, or nonfiction versus fiction. Mm -hmm. You agree? Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think I think it depends. I I, I think that 
absolutely it's true. As you were speaking, what came to my mind was looking at you and I have colorful childhoods. We've got lots of interesting stories and crazy things that we did. Oh, family's um, a whole different ball game, by the and, way. And that's a different <laughs> yeah, game. Exactly. A whole different game, and man. I think we should move into that very quickly because I thought there are people I know and depending on what the element is or what the story and also a, what would come up for me would what might be a considering factor is if somebody actually doesn't believe in the Lord and I put them in a story and used an element or something significant and it's possible that they might find out or know or I might tell them and they're not a believer, I might be careful because it might look like I'm a hypocrite or someone who is using them like it, it is possible if you're not careful with the search the situation and who you're dealing with i think it's case by case to be honest um the more removed i think that's another rule of thumb somebody a f one of my old roommates told me a story many years ago about this amazing situation about two a couple who were gonna going to get divorced and something happened to them on the night that they were making the decision that made them reverse their decision now that didn't happen to him it's multiple multiple levels removed and this happened over 20 25 years ago so i'm incorporating my own twist on that story into something yeah. i'm working on and i feel like i'm okay with that because first off i have no connection to the people i'm not stealing their story because that's a concern am i if i take too much of somebody else's story it's it might be unethical and it also could put you in some legal issues of which i'm not versed enough right now to even get into but i'm talking more about ethics what's right and wrong but taking a tiny piece of a story that was interesting and twisting it i think it's great and i've actually been working on something um but if i was taking the direct story of someone i knew then i have to think about it and it even gets into kind of with fiction we mentioned something in the last episode five about someone we knew who was like us who had been stubborn about getting some good advice and not taking it and that even makes me a little bit nervous making a mention of things like that in this podcast where some people might eventually figure out who we're talking about. Um, but that is a concern in any of our artistic endeavors, most definitely even in this podcast. So yeah, I think that's a rule of thumb, like how distant, how much time, and what is your relationship or not necessarily a relationship to the person who gave you the information, but what is their what does their life look like and what is the likelihood they're going to find out? Because I have to... I have to face the Lord at the end of my days and I have to account for everything yeah. I've done. And I'm very sensitive to this. I'm sensitive in the music that I work on. I'm sensitive to everything because and getting older, I'm I've hit the midlife. Hopefully I live a normal lifespan. I'm getting closer to the time where I'm going to have to account. So I'm very concerned for the, you know, the ethics of this stuff. Uh, but I want to ask you a question then. <laughs> we we're just laughing. So family, how much do we feel comfortable putting our family into or or stories yeah. about our family that are less than beautific yeah, stories? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> to touch on that, I want to backtrack really quickly to, I was going back a little bit to the other point, but yeah, I think that there's also a difference between the story or the 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 narrative or the, the story of that you're wanting to tell involving the friend or family member, is it is it flatlined, just critical throughout? Or is there a mm. redemptive plot to it? Is there an art to mm. it? Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that, I don't know, I'm, 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 I think that makes a difference. So mm. when I wrote that memoir of mine, I 
I, I was critical of my, my parents at the very beginning of it. And that was, I wasn't in a place of my life of being bitter or angry like my parents and I think the Lord have an amazing relationship. Mm. But there were times in my early adulthood where it was rough and a lot, it was mostly on me. Uh, I was a jerk. But for that book, I was definitely, I was working through a lot of stuff. And I knew that at the end, this is what I wanted to say, where I, I'm up here with my parents and that we're both finding God's grace and grace with each other. But I had to start down here. And I, I, I want to say that it, that, it, that it showed and that it was not putting, making my parents look bad or even my brother I touched my brother in that in that book and I didn't say anything bad I just mentioned it but I called my brother and just said are you cool with this and he was like oh, yeah I'm cool with that so I want to say I, I will say with that that was 10 11 years ago I I probably would have debated that more how much to include of my my relationship with my parents um it is weird because it's. Do you change your parents' name in the book? You know that's that's a that's a weird hard question too. It's like who, whose name do you change? Do you die? in that book? I didn't know what mm -hmm. I was doing. I changed mm -hmm. everyone that gave me permission. I put their real name. Anyone that didn't, I just put a fake name. I gave you a fake name, but just because I thought it was cool, the name I came up with. But uh, family is weird. And because I was yeah. a real jerk. Family, yeah. In this story. Family is weird because one, nowhere but your family are you. Do you have no filter at all? Uh, when we're a family, mm -hmm. we don't have any filter. Whereas in society, we're kind of like uh, the 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 societal more that uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know family everything goes, and you don't mm -hmm. hold back your frustrations and your anger and whatever. And you also know you're not going to get sued by your family, <laughs> hopefully. So you're yeah. definitely you're probably yeah. not going to change a name, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Family is a delicate one, man. Family is a real delicate one. Um, I, I just, I say before when you're probably the difference between me as an older, an, an older man uh, and the me that was the younger desperate guy. Uh, I would have been more likely to family or friends throw down, uh, write something that it didn't matter if it was critical because if it helps me become, uh, get paid to make a living by this, I would have talked myself into it. I could have justified it. You know, the, the honesty was there or the rawness, you know. Um, there may be a shade of truth to that, but at the same time, uh, a lot of that is based on desperation because you're desperate to make it. Uh, you're desperate to to sell. So these days, man, I there's no way uh, mm -hmm. uh, I would I would not choose hurting someone intentionally to sell whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you ever would have intentionally hurt anybody. You're just less of a risk taker. 
you're less willing to risk. I think that's the the qualification. What what I would throw in there for family for me is yes, I think who of us we're, we're in a fallen world. So all of us, most of us, maybe not all of us, most of us have issues with our families. There are things that we wish were different. Um, not the least of which is me being more aware as I'm getting older, the things that I did wrong and the things that I could have made better in my relationship with my family. But we're all going to have issues, especially with our parents. It, it It's it's impossible. And it's interesting. I'm going to throw this in there. I love this quote. So Kurt Smith, one of the two lead singers from Tears for Fears, he did a cover of Mad World with his daughter that came out when the pandemic first started. It was a few months ago. It was like May. But he he said in an interview... You know, when he was writing with his lead singer, Roland Orzabal, it's one of my all-time favorite bands, so uh, <laughs> that's why I know their names. But it was interesting, he said, when we were writing those songs when we were younger, like their their first big record that had Mad World on it, I used to think that all the troubles that I had as a as a youth and growing up into yeah. an adulthood, young adulthood, were my parents' fault. And he said, and then I had kids and I came to realize that's just not true. <laughs> I laughed. And I was like, of course. And now that I, I have a two-year-old, I'm looking and saying, hmm, okay, I'm starting to see decisions that my parents made that I'm making certain similar types of decisions when it comes to maybe some of it's exacerbated because we've been locked in for so long. But I'm like, I love you, kid, but I got to close this door. I can't attend to you all the time. And I have some issues with sometimes having felt when I was younger, not really little, but when I was more moving out into before teenage years and my teenage years where it's like, I wish that my parents had a little more time uh, to engage in in certain things that I I would have liked to have seen, but I'm looking at my life now, saying, "Oh, I'm I'm more understanding of these these feelings." Saying, "Oh, look at my life." So when I think about when I think about what would I be willing to write and harness for my own life, I have to be really careful because I have to account to my family what i'm doing because part of what you and i are doing in our in our work beyond this podcast is we want to actually tell people what we're doing we want to tell stories and then we want to dig into them and say here's what the fallen world is like and here's where god is working in these stories and in our lives and what we're doing and i can't put some heavy stuff from my childhood in and then just not mention and talk at all about where it came from when people are asking me including my family so i have to be careful to say what is the line how much i'm willing to 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 bring that stuff into some of these fictional stories. And there's some there's some heavy stuff that I would like to write about someday, but honestly, I probably won't do it some of it as long as my parents are alive. And and as long and and as long as my parents and their friends and people who know them are alive because I don't want to be disrespectful. And I don't ever want to be disrespectful, but I could write something in the future that no one would know that it came from my life. And I wouldn't have to explain it if everybody who knows anything about that has kind of passed on to, to greener pastures above, you know? So I, I think about that a lot. I think a lot about there are things I want to do and some stories, but I'm, I am not going to do yeah. them now. Yeah. And maybe that means maybe they'll never get done, but that's okay. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Um, and there's plenty of other people that are screwed up, including myself, that I can harness tons of stories. I don't have to go to my own family. <laughs> uh, so, but some, so I want to ask you a question like, and I, We'll cut this out. I'm going to tell the audience right now. I'm going to cut this out if if you say no. But something like a story with your brother, you have a firework story. Is something like that an issue that 
would be something that he'd be concerned about you telling just normal kids doing crazy stuff or is that the kind of thing that you wouldn't i don't think so no i don't think you would be no careful. i don't think he would mind that no um yeah i you know it's time time is uh <laughs> i wrote in a Mm-hmm. I wrote in a young adult book one time that I wrote where the guy's kid's teacher is like, time heals all wounds. And he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I don't think it was like, that's, that's crap. <laughs> you know? right. But right. time does. Yeah. Time does allow you to uh, deal with that. Yeah. Uh, there was like my brother. That was true. That was that was terrible. Uh, shooting fireworks in the backyard with another kid and one of the fireworks one in a million kind of thing goes like up a hill through a wooden fence through a hole that big and finds the neighbor who was like laying out by the pool her eye and blinds her or something like that i mean just i mean just crazy stuff unbelievable Uh, one in a in a million chance of that happening and but it was horrible uh so I don't know if that was the question was, would you write? Yeah, I would write about that if it yeah, came to my mind yeah. and my brother wouldn't mind that. No, I think. It- and I honestly have stories where I did the kind of things that your brother did. And I just got the 999,000 times lucky most of the time. We used to take bamboo, my my parents in our backyard. And I think you saw it because you came to visit once or twice. My parents, we have this yard that separates a four lane highway that goes from Philadelphia down to Ocean City and Atlantic City area. And this four-lane highway at times of the year and in times of the week, at certain times it can be very busy. And we used to take bamboo that's in the backyard that was there for since before we lived there 40 years ago. It dries out. This bamboo dries out in the fall and the winter. So you have new stuff coming in in the spring and summer, but in certain times of the year, it's super hard and dry. And you just tear it out of the ground. It goes... You can even snap it. And we used to make spears and we would throw them up into the trees that were above the bamboo and try to make them come down and land in front of cars. We used to do berserkly, insanely stupid things. And we would throw snowballs in the wintertime when the tree leaves were dead. We would try to throw snowballs up over that bamboo because it was a natural barrier. People couldn't see us. And we'd try to throw snowballs onto people's cars. And it's like stupid idiocy. And we never, we never did anything more than an occasional, a snowball would hit a guy's rear you know might hit somebody in the car somewhere but it was no different than snow coming off of heavy snow coming off of the trees that were over the the no no, we did we did terrible stuff um as as you're talking though i'm realizing this this hits me it's uh i don't think we mind especially after years we don't mind someone telling the the stupid things that we do or the maybe the fireworks example the yeah the the bad events that happen i think what we mind is when we refer to if someone refers to our character or our inner being in a way that shows us as being really inwardly flawed i think so i've never thought about that but i think it's like i wouldn't mind you saying telling about when I was in college and, you know, or, or even like I got, I got arrested 10 years ago mm-hmm. for a, a DUI, worst mistake of my life. Um, I wrote a, I wrote a book about that. It was very, uh, it's very healing for me. So I wouldn't mind you telling that, but mm-hmm. I think where if you were write a book and I knew a character is based on me and you just continually painted this kid as, or me, this man, as you know, uh, narcissistic mm-hmm. or completely self-absorbed, uh, 
inwardly, you know, a jerk, uh, that would hurt. Man, and you just hit something that made me think related to what you just said, which is if somebody was writing a story about me, even if there was a redemptive arc, if somebody was was in my family was writing a story about me or telling a song and they didn't actually discuss what had happened in that issue and how maybe it had hurt them and maybe my point of view and they wrote it from their point of view and it made me look negative even if in the end it came out okay i might be really perturbed that you went into the world and gave your point of view about a story and you didn't come and give me a chance to speak i think that's interesting i'm piggybacking on what you just said and i i think that's interesting and maybe that's where some of this fear certainly of talking about our parents or people that we were close with is you said that you go and ask permission, which is great. As long as we don't then say, nah, I'm going to do it anyway and change their name because we're, we're older and adults, more mature adults now. But that, I think there's something to that. What you just said combined with like, do I get a chance before you write about me to get an option? Because one of my cousins is an author and writes stories and she's very gifted. She's very talented. She, she has written a number of poetry books and she lived in the Midwest, but they spent time in the summers visiting our hometown because a number of relatives lived in our hometown, including our grandma. And I've always been a little bit nervous reading my cousin's stories when she's telling stories about New Jersey and growing up and that I'm going to make my way into one of those stories as the snotty bratty young kid who is a young punk who didn't know any better. And that somehow and then that's ego. Maybe that's egotistical that I would think that my cousin's even going to write anything as smart as she is and has her own life. But I've always been a little bit worried that I'm going to show up in one of those stories. Uh, and and I've read a lot of her stories, but I haven't read all of them. And I always get a little nervous, like, uh oh, is my family or is am I going to be in there? Because we've I've never talked with her as an adult about the things I've learned in life, how I'm different. We've interacted a few times over the years, but very minimally. So it's interesting because I do. I think well, you hit well, here's, I'm glad that you brought that up. You really here's hit Here's your question then. When you're thinking about her writing you in a story, are you worried <laughs> about her writing you in a story or writing you in a negative light? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. so it's not your... Negative. If she were to write you in a positive light, you would be like, <laughs> yeah, you know, the cool guy that like, I am. Yeah, of you know? course. You're worried about coming across you... as a negative because, I mean, she thinks that about you. Yes, and you said it. It was, it's the unresolved like if if you write something negative about somebody and you haven't asked asked them or spoke spoken to them about it you're kind of like you're telling a side of the story and you're telling the world it almost feels like a miniature version of you went on the carson show you went on jimmy kimmel you went on you, you went on conan o'brien whatever you're you're proclaiming and and telling something about me to the world even if it's not in name specifically uh but everybody in the family will know and i feel like yeah i want to be careful about that when I do it, I don't want sure. to do it. <laughs> well, this uh, so, this leads perfectly yeah. to the next the next idea. Uh, we've been talking about writing about people we know, but writing about our characters based at least in part on mm -hmm. ourselves. Uh, so you have two choices there: you can write yourself in a very positive way, or you can show the warts. I guess. Uh, so that's a good question. How vulnerable are we willing to go? I want to ask you a question. 
how many, this is a crazy question, how many characters do you think in your lifetime that you can write that are based on a significant part of you, your heart, your your life experience, but the essence of you? Because you, I would, I find myself, I anything that I write, bad or good, and we're going to talk in another episode about what draws us to villains and spend an entire episode on villains and stories, song, whatever, video games, whatever. But how much, how much do you feel that you've taken pieces of yourself? Is it for me? I feel like every single character, I've got to have some understanding, which means when I go to hard places with characters, I have to feel, I have to take something from the, my own life to put into that. Um, but I'm curious about your take and, and how much, how much do you distill and and how much do you is there an entire picture of yourself like do you ever take a huge core part of yourself and put that into a character that you put out there that's like wow this is actually practically me yeah in this, um, in this character that i'm writing i did that one time and it was it was it was obvious it was a fiction book too at the end it felt a little disingenuous uh and I can't explain that other than to say it was a character that was so far removed from who I am, but there was so much based on me that it felt I could disin- It just felt, di- I don't know. I can't explain. So I eventually just chopped and chopped away at all those parts where there was not too much left of that. Um, hmm. Hmm. That's a great question, man. I, I don't, you know, a lot of it also depends on like what you're writing, what you're working on, what age. I mean, I, we've written, you know, a young adult teenage script. I mean, I'm working, I spent four years writing a, a young adult novel and I don't think I, I really put much of myself in it. Uh, but that's a good question. I, I mean, I guess the most obvious example to me is I wrote a, I wrote a, a book about a serial killer who is a nihilist. And I mean, that's not me. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, you know, I, I used to really have those moments of, uh, you know, the movie with Robert Duvall, the apostle. So there's that's a he's an he's a minister, but he goes to these times of really wrestling with God, where he's just shouting and you know, I would have those times, you know. And this was a long, you know, this was you know a decade ago, but I would have those. But when I was when I was writing that book, and the crazy thing about that was I was uh, I was leading my church community group at the time, which was a Bible study, you know. So I would. I mean, I, I let myself go there. Whereas like all those times where I had been in the closet screaming, you know, and yelling at God. My characters, he, because he is a nihilist. He is a fatalist who, but he's tortured by the idea of us being created in the image of God. Uh, so I had to let myself go there to that deep, dark place. And it was weird because I would be watching documentaries on, you know, serial killers. And then I would go lead Bible study and out, you know, same night. So it was very, very crazy sort of disjointedness there. But uh, 
I did put, I, you know, I, I put that part of me that was not afraid to ask the really hard questions of God, particularly. Uh, I know as a Christian that the answers, you know, I, there are questions that I still ask of God, but I know God is good and I can trust that. Uh, so that's a big, my character couldn't, uh, although deep down, maybe he wanted to. Um, so I don't know. That's a, your question is great. I, I don't know if, I, if I've answered that other than I think it probably depends on the character. Uh, but I don't think we ever get to truly escape ourselves. Uh, so there's right. always going to be, um, there's always going to be that part of you that even if it's a, a 15 year old, you know, you can, yeah, I can think back to that, that period of life when, you know, you're feeling isolated or you're feeling, you just don't know what, who you are, you know, you don't know, you're, you, you just, you can't get a grip on everything you're experiencing. What do you think then? Like, let's take, uh, let's take the, the, the Henry Allison character. Yeah. You know, we, we did that together, yeah. but I think we, we kind of found a, uh, we found the character together. What, what parts of you do you think you yeah. put into there? Let me go back. That was a, uh, that was a very troubled teenager. Uh, definitely a, uh, you know, Holden Caulfield kind of, uh, not, uh-huh. not, there wouldn't even dare Holden Caulfield there, but, uh, no. but very troubled. <laughs> it's very, not like, very well, troubled. That's, very, that's the point. Very lonely. Yep. Yep. The point, not Holden Caulfield, for those who don't know, we're talking about Catcher in the Rye one of the greatest books ever written. And uh, yes, we're not equating our writing anywhere near that level. And that's actually a point of maybe what what will come out right now as we're talking about this, which is, um, yeah, so bringing yourself, I think, I found that when I've worked in the past and didn't have some understanding in myself from life experience or some way of understanding because of things that I've observed, and I was writing stories or characters it came out flat and flaccid if I didn't have some understanding, which means for me to have understanding, I had to have at least observed or felt something that's parallel. So it, I'm not necessarily necessarily putting my life experience into every character or a lot of characters, but I am putting in moments that I've experienced or seasons or bits or pieces, things that I've experienced that may be significantly different, but there's something emotionally true. There's something intellectually true in the parallel or or, uh, the situation that I'm drawing on. And I think when we don't, if we find ourselves writing, again, it can be song, whatever, and we don't understand that character at all, we're going to run into problems. And for me... And I think that as I've gotten older, I think I hit the sweet spot. I keep mentioning this over and over, and I'm sorry, I'm a geezer, but it's post 40 for me is where I started coming to a place where I felt I had a better understanding of life and a better understanding of my weaknesses, my failings, a better understanding of what I could and couldn't do, and and more observational experience, not feeling so awkward that I could never understand somebody else's experience. How could I... And, it, and unfortunately, what I've come to find out is, which I'd heard many times over the years, you know, 
people are actually predictable and you can figure things out. They are, they do follow patterns more than you would think. And it turns out as I've gotten older, I see it and I go, wow, even when I thought that wasn't true, we do settle into patterns unless we're actively trying in a godly way to not follow those patterns because we're following the Lord, which means our lives get upended and they're completely way more complicated, which is great for writers at believers, because now you can dig into everything because you're, you're not going the cultural way. You're not retelling the narrative. You're not going to follow the path that everybody else would, you would yeah. tell the story, whether it be really dark and complicated or predictable, happy, you're in between everything because you see the world, how it really is. But I think for Henry Allison, we get back to that. For me, when we were working on that, I did not completely understand who that kid was when I was writing. And I didn't, it was one of the first times that I was jumping into a big epic project and I understood about the story and redemption and things that as he started to get, the things that got me teary eyed and broken up when we were working on that story is as I started to understand him because he was moving away from this punk kid who was broken and starting to realize the truths about life like I have when I was a kid and, and as as I grew older. He's growing up very quickly because of what the trauma that he's in. But I didn't understand where he was coming from, the anger and, and, and whatnot. And the whole beginning of that story that we worked on, and I worked on a ton of it, we had to ditch it. When we started doing the audio drama and we recorded it, it's like, this crap, this crap's got to go because it's just, it's not, something is wrong here. It doesn't feel real. It feels like plot. And that's exactly it. I was not putting my heart into those moments. I was distant, like disembodied looking in on a character that I I, I wanted him to do things when in the story I was telling, but I didn't go into his shoes. And I think that's, for me, where you have to put yourself, no matter who it is. If you're writing about that serial killer, Natter, there has to be something about the madness of what he believes that you take from the dark darkest part of yourself that you could actually understand it you've got to somehow and and then that becomes a question i'm going to throw back at you what do you feel okay if i have to understand and feel something and i'm writing a story about a killer as a believer how far do i allow myself to go down that rabbit hole did you feel like you had to keep a distance were you like i got to keep a certain distance from knowing this guy too well because this is darkness and i want to tell a story for a moral purpose but I'm scared to go too dark. And I don't know what that level, I don't know what that line is, to be honest, in certain types of story. For that, for that, I I had to let myself go all the way. Um, Because it wouldn't, couldn't have done it without it. And yeah, I went to dark places. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I knew like, God is, like I I knew, like I, I have an eternal hope that I, that I come back to, but no, I let myself go to dark places. It was tough. Uh, I know would never actually, I, I'm not going to say that I, I actually very dark place, but I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy mm. and it's I, one. I've always loved dark stuff. I, and we not to change something. We, we love books about killers. Why? Because that is the ultimate, at least in our mind, that is, it's the ultimate sin, uh, taking another life, because we're all created in the image of God. I think we're all fascinated by the, I mean, this is proof, proofed by the gazillion TV shows about, you know, profilers or, you know, but uh, we're, we're, we're fascinated by people that have 
suppressed, either don't have that conscience or they suppressed that conscience. It's Romans 1. We know God, but we suppress the truth. How can you suppress it enough that you would take someone's life? Um, I think we're all fascinated by we're all fascinated by the dark side because we all recognize that we have that dark side within us to go the theological, that sinful nature. Uh, and some people have actually suppressed it enough that they can do that. I think we're all fascinated by that. I've, I've always been fascinated by that. So I, I love going to those places, even if it's not pleasant, it's still, you're going there and you're getting in, to me, that I know it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a delightfully painful process, if you will. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to talk we're going to talk about this entire thing in an episode about why we yeah. go to villains and evil. You've you've tapped on it, and I and can't I think wait maybe, for that episode. Can we just start it possibly like right after we finish this? Possibly, tonight? we can wrap this up, and that can be um, our episode for no, next I, week. I wanna, but I, let, let's see no, what I, else you want to talk about. But I, we could go we could talk about that in the next yeah, episode. I, I want to. I'd be happy to. Yeah, talk about sorry that. to interrupt you. Yeah. I, I wanted to touch on no, one no, more thing ahead. regarding it, but I also wanted you. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you a question about Henry Allison. I wanted to go back to something yes. about that. Yes, uh, absolutely. I you mentioned forty. Forty was that was brutal for me. Like everything, I measure things in decades. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. Like I moved to LA yeah. from Seattle when I was thirty. I just turned thirty, and my band had broken up, and blah. blah you know, it's like moved forty. That was painful. I mean, there was some relationship pain, and I I started probably a few months before I hit forty. I started writing a book about a guy about to turn forty. Now it was comedy. I mean, it was and it was a blast to write. And this guy was, I mean, on the surface he was not me. Not I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, he was. He was very quirky. It was a comedy, but what was happening was that. He's got this unrealized anger about how his life has not turned out the way he thought. And he's about to turn 40. So he's doing things like, you know, when he's doing laundry, you know, and the, and the <laughs> hangers are getting tangled up with each other. He's just losing it, you know, and uh, or he's someone, you know, he's in traffic. He's just losing it. And that stuff was all, although the character wasn't, those actions are all me because you're living yeah. in a dumpy yeah. LA apartment, turning 40 you're still broke your relationship problems you're still single i mean it was it was tough and so you're not mad at the hangers you're mad at your life not working out the way you thought and you're mad that you're living in this crappy apartment with the uh slovenly neighbor <laughs> next there who you've got to wait for him to take his clothes out of the dryer so I, I was fascinated by those little behaviors that we don't really see are reflective of a big, big, deeper kind of thing. And for me, 40 was huge because it was like the same as 30. My These music dreams had not panned out. 40 was, man, nothing I thought was going to pay. You know? But then, you know, <laughs> wisdom, time, you realize, no, man, I've had a great life. You know, like, you know, <laughs> I've been able to do I've been able to lead three different homeless ministries. You know, I, I, although I just married a year ago, I've got the most wonderful wife in the world. You know, you start, mm -hmm. you gain perspective. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask you though, you mentioned the Henry Allison thing. So you mentioned that 
you didn't understand that character enough. And you also specifically mentioned the beginning of that. Knowing that, how yeah. would you go back and start that? How would you start that story now? I've thought about that. So again, I'm trying to take what I know about how I felt lost and I was not an insider. I was an outsider and how really being vulnerable and saying, how are the ways where, yes, I had a family and parents who loved me and, and I had a roof over my head. I wasn't bouncing from house to house, but there's a lot of things that were really hard and troubling for me. How would I humanize and take my experience and put that in? And what I would have done, because we got a comment from that story from one of our friends, Patty, who said, I don't like this kid and I have no interest in hearing any more of the story. That was raw, honest truth, which is why we love our friend Patty. Um, and that was like, you're right. Holy mackerel. Exactly. Yes. Hi, Patty. Um, and exactly. I And I'm usually to blame for that because I had a lot of pushing and saying in, in the early stages, like, let's, here's how we got to start it. And here are the scenes and here's how we got to do it without saying, as much as I should have. Michael, what do you think? Do you think that this is heading in the wrong direction? Um, but I would have said the very first thing is we have to, he would have to be humanized. And I've already, we actually had in the story that he has an argument with his foster mom. And I would have changed that argument in the very beginning to just be the frustration of him not getting something that he wants. But we had a fight scene that you put in. I would have had that fight, but I would have done a little bit of tweaking to make him even the pathos to make him even look more like he's being victimized because a lot of kids know that he's got troubles and that he doesn't have parents. Then he has an argument with his foster mom who wants to adopt him. And it would take a little more care to get that argument, this, the, which I've actually been working on how I would do that or how we would do it. But humanize this kid just doesn't see that he's got love in his life. And it, he has to go on this epic journey through time around halfway around the world and back to realize what he had that he didn't realize in that moment when he walks out the door and his life changes forever in the beginning of our story. And all this other nonsense, there was stuff in that story about things sure. I've experienced. Sure. You know, yeah, you're in a principal's office or whatever. Who cares about that? Um, but every step of the way, if I'm not writing about my life, I want to be writing as if I'm standing next to this kid and my heart's breaking as every step of the way that's what's happening to him is breaking my heart to get to the point to where redemption starts happening. And I, and I did not have myself in the seat next to him in that story. I didn't put myself in that place and say, how do I feel? And what would, how would I feel? And what would happen if I was actually here observing this? How would this break my heart? And what would this realistically look like? Not what I want it to be, what it would really be in real life. And that's part of, I think what we take from our, experiences as well, whether we're putting ourselves in, the older we get, the more we're putting in real life observations of what we've seen and the way the world works and the way patterns, the way people do repeat patterns. We can take that knowledge that we now have and put it into every single moment of every beat of every story we work on because we've had enough experience to see how people actually behave. And I think that's, for me, that's kind of where I get to at the end where if I'm not putting myself in to a story, I'm putting what I know about humanity and ultimately, then the darkest, you go to a, you have a killer, Natter the killer. 
you are putting in what you know to be true about the Lord into that story and into the end of it. That is the key. It doesn't even matter if the characters are being, or I'm harnessing my own knowledge about what it feels like to be these characters. If I'm being honest about life, number one, and two, about God's goodness, you're on a, you're in a great place for your art. You're in a really great place. I need to kind of make a note <laughs> that, so I don't ever forget that. But I think the observations are true, and God is true, and you're gonna be you're gonna be doing a good job if you can really do the two of those and and really work yeah. hard at it, because that is what life is. Uh, that's what that's what I get from my yeah, life. That's a not putting myself like a schizophrenic into every character. Yeah, that's a great point. I love what you said about the uh, passenger seat next to uh, Henry Allison. I was I was listening to a podcast yesterday. One of my my favorite podcasters but she had a guest on that was this guy that has just written a book on uh death uh and it was it's all about how we are why we are so afraid of death and terrified actually he calls it and we spend everything he, he even there's a someone quoted like all philosophy is an attempt to distract ourselves from thinking about death. Something like that. I, I have to go back and listen to it. Uh, but hmm. but he made the point in there that why do you think that actors and athletes and entertainers are so highly paid? Are they it's because they allow they allow us to distract they distract us from thinking about death, which is going to happen to everyone. Uh, so as you're talking just now I, I thought like that is true. I mean watching a movie you know uh, putting headphones on and listening to music uh it allows us to not think about those eat those things you know uh at the same time another purpose of entertainers or writers right is to is to provide hope with that in the face of that knowledge that yes we're gonna die uh, and for some of us sooner than later. Um, so, and I think that's, uh, maybe we love stories and stories because they allow us to not think about those things and just keep, you know, summer movie flick kind of mentality. But also I think we love them because we, we are aching for that redemptive plot arc, uh, character arc. And... This goes back to what you're just talking about. You know, the boy who won't let himself love or be loved. Finding out, you know. Yeah, there's a song, there's a band I used to listen to, and they had a song, and the last line of it was, to be, lo to be loved is the best of all. To be loved is the best of all. And um, think about it, like, loved by God, and then you can be loved by others. And, uh, man, that that is the goal of of what we should be doing is that that redemption arc right there. I don't know if it always happens, but you know, we shouldn't always just seek to distract ourselves from thinking about these tough truths. Uh, we some is fine, of course, uh, but we should also allow these these stories um, to help us think about those things with some hope. Uh, even that Natter serial killer book. Uh, it was bleak, but at the very end, um, uh, there was some hope there, albeit slight. 
I think that's good comments to to go out on. I think that's good thoughts. And I think I want to ask you about if we were doing a vote, eventually I'm hoping that we can actually have our our audience vote on what subject we're going to do next. But I'm going to suggest we want to do villains, but I'm going to suggest the possibility of the next podcast being about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Face the Music. I think we should talk about it because that movie is phenomenally loaded with awesome godly stuff. And it's not not made by believers. It is jam-packed and you have to see it. I'm going to give you the order to see it this week. But we'll make I can't sure wait. I've been, I've been aching week. to see it. Yeah. It is. I saw it last night. It is fantastic. It is everything that you could have ever dreamt or hoped that it would be. And it is so loaded with the stuff we're talking about in this series. It is so fantastically. It covers marriage and everything. And it's awesome. And I think we should talk about it um, as artists to say, how can you be in this world and have and be so on the mark? This could be the subject for the next one is how can you be people who are you don't even have to believe god's real you can be so on the mark about god and how he is in this world and in this universe and and not even be trying to do it and hit it so many ways right uh without having and we don't have to invent it you'll see this movie and you'll see so any audience members that haven't seen it you have to skip the next episode but i really want to talk about it and it's a whole episode it's so great um, so I think we'll do that. And then villains a couple I, after I can't, that, yeah. two episodes after that. Yeah. Can't wait. So man. I think, I think we can sign off for now <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll talk more. These issues that came up in this episode are actually very core issues that are at the root of what we're doing this for. We're trying to get in touch with what is it to be believers as artists and how do we, how do we maintain our integrity how do we how do we really truly honestly dig into deep storytelling that is not loaded with characters who are having altar calls and going to church and and how do we legitimately walk so that when we face the lord and say this is what i've done with my life and i claimed i was doing it in your name how do i keep myself in check to say i i want to know that i'm i am doing and prayer is obviously huge part of that but the temptations in between our prayers and our time before the lord are intense and immense and the money and the successes we're talking about and i want to talk about bill and ted because it even goes to that and it goes to what does success mean and what are you questing after it's great stuff so you anyway. sold me man you sold that's it me. i'm done talking um, yeah thanks yeah. for listening until then <laughs> we will see you next time have a great night have a great weekend good night bye bye everybody Thanks for listening to King of the Middle with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Check us out on YouTube or Facebook if you'd like to see the vidcast version of this podcast.